0: Good morning. You got your Bibles. Go to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. Uh, 14 verse 13. Exodus 14 verse 13. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God. Help us hear. Help us understand. Help us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Exodus 14, 13. We're going to look at this story. We're going to try to understand one thing. We're still talking about this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. We're going to transition a little bit into walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? But what we're going to do is answer the most common question about walking in the Spirit first before we truly unfold the meaning of it. And that most common question is, how do you do it? So we're going to take the how first, then we're going to talk about what it means in the upcoming weeks. But how do you walk in the Spirit? It's a very common question, a question people always ask. And let's see, we're going to take this story and compare it to another story and see how they are alike and how they're different and try to gain an understanding of what does that mean by walking in the spirit. So picking up in verse 13 of chapter 14, this is right out the after Moat, and Pharaoh let the people go and they on their way out and the Egyptians then came and followed them and they're at the Red Sea and they're trapped. The Egyptians behind them see in front of them. They don't know where to go. Pick it up in verse 13. It said, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will shew to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you and shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore Christ thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all the hosts, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have gotten my honor upon Pharaoh, and upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. All that night made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left hand. All right, we pause right there. So y'all see the great scene. They're stuck. Moses don't know what to do. The people are scared. They're crying and complaining. They're saying, Moses, why you brought us out here to die? And Moses go to pray. And verse 15, I always stick with me, and I have to ask God about this every time I read this story. Look at verse 15. It said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forth. God, get on to Moses. Just put yourself in the picture. You've been a slave. These people have been oppressing your whole nation that you come from. For four hundred years you have been held in captivity. God finally set you free. You don't have any weapons. You don't have any resources except that what you borrowed from them. And a vast sea is before you. Not a little bit of lake. Not even a river. A vast sea is before you. And the people who have been oppressing you for 400 years is coming behind you with all their spears, knives, swords, on their chariots, running you down. While it's you, your wives, your children, and some cows and things standing there. You have never been a soldier, never been a warrior, probably never got into a fight with Moses that one time. What do you do they haven't done nothing of their own accord for 400 years. And Moses do the best thing we know to do. He prayed. And God said, what you praying for? <laughs> Tell the children of Israel to go forward. What makes God think that Moses should get that thought in his head that we just finna keep on walking? But this is the response that God has. Why are you praying? What you crying for? Tell the children to go forward. Then he tell them, y'all about to see the salvation of God. Everybody know the rest of the story. Moses raised his hand. The wind blow. The water become a wall. The bottom of the sea become dry ground. And they walk through. How was the children of Israel able to make it cross the great and vast Red Sea? God did it. They was walking in the will of God, doing the plan of God, being led by the Spirit of God. The cloud came down, gave them light, the wind blew, parted the waters, dried up the ground. So they was following the lead of the Spirit of God. He cut the path for them. But I want to keep in mind what God said to Moses, what are you crying for? Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. Now go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. And we find ourselves at a similar scene. And we're going to compare these two stories and begin to make some gleanings in our own life. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 saying Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. All right. Moses bringing them out of Egypt and they got to a place right before a sea where they stopped, took up camp. Now J- Joshua leading them into the promised land in Joshua chapter three. He said they come right before the river Jordan. They set up camp. They lodged there doing the same exact thing. In verse 2, it said, It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest of Levites bearing it, then shall you remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now we got things a little bit different, though. Joshua learned from Moses. So they're preparing to cross the Jordan. He sends the elders throughout the camp, telling them this is the game plan. We about to go. The ark is going to go before you. Y'all follow the ark because y'all ain't ain't been around this way before. So y'all don't know what's way to go. So the ark is going to lead the path. You follow after the ark. And Joshua stands up and says, Sanctify yourself, make yourselves holy, prepare yourself, because tomorrow God is going to do great wonders among you. So Joshua got confidence that something amazing is about to happen. And all the people got to do is follow after the lead of the ark. Verse 6 it says, And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people that they, and they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Y'all, y'all seeing the picture? Similar thing. They're going across the Jordan River now. But notice the slight difference here. Moses and the people were in a panic and they had reason to be. They had enemies behind them. They just freshly delivered from captivity. And everything about their situation said they were going to die. Going into this situation, they're in a time of peace. Nobody's pursuing them. They just leisurely finally made it to the place where God told them they were going to be. But Moses, with the panic of the people, went and sought God. What to do? Joshua, in this time of peace, and this time of come, had a confidence that something amazing is about to happen. And he began doing what he knew to do. Then God spoke to him. He sent the elders out, tell the people, follow the ark. He went to the priest, tell the people, get the ark and begin to walk towards the Jordan. And as he was giving his command, as he was setting up the situation, God spoke to him and told him, The priest that bear the ark, tell them to go into the Jordan and stand still. So God began to give him commands as he began to do what he knew to do through his following of Moses. God began to set the whole scene up. But watch, I like, I love the way this in. In verse 9, it says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby shall you know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth before you into Jordan. Now, therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon the heap. So he told them, This is what's going to happen. The priests walk through the river. Once the priests. Who better art feet get in the river so the waters are going to part and stand up on the heap. So the water going to start piling up on each other. Now see the difference. In this story, when did the waters part? As the priests walked through Jordan. So they had to walk in the midst of the river. They didn't do like Moses. With Moses, Moses stood at the banks, raised his hands, and the water split. Then they walked through. This time, the priests started walking. And as all of their feet hit the bottom of the river, then the water began to split and pile up and become a wall unto them. So, one miracle done two different ways. God parted the waters both times, but one time he did it supernaturally without any effort on the behalf of the Israelites. Moses just raised his hands in the water, split. The second time, he did it supernaturally, but he sent them in the midst of the waters, and they had to walk through what they expected to have parted for them. You understand what I'm saying? That's, That's deep. We need to understand that. They had to walk through the thing that they expected that God was supposed to do for them. And Joshua, being alive at the time that Moses led them forth through the Red Sea, he could have said, hold up. God can't be talking to me right now. Because when God poured waters, he split them And we walk on dry ground. This ain't the way God do it. You understand what I'm saying? He experienced both things. Joshua was alive when Moses parted the war. Joshua saw the miracle that Moses had did. And this time Joshua was in the place of Moses. And he could have put his hope and his faith in the experience that Moses had. And missed the miracle that God had for him because he was anticipating God doing the same thing the same way that he did it before. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Both times they were lead, being led by the Spirit of God. Both times they were being moved by God to see a miracle take forth. But both times was demonstrated two different ways. And this is the ways that God moves in our lives. And these are the ways that we are led by the Spirit. And this is something that God been burdening me with because I I know it, but I got to start realizing it and anticipating for God to move this way. Because how many of you either know somebody or have experienced something where you were praying about something or you were going through something and supernaturally, after a prayer, somebody laid hands on you uh, and it just stopped. Anybody ever experienced that? You were struggling with something. Was a stronghold in your life or you know somebody had a stronghold and they prayed, they cried, or somebody laid hands on them and supernaturally, boom, it was over. You hear people all the time talking about they was on drugs and and they was bound to this and going through that and they got saved. They went up there and the taste just went from their mouth. They never even wanted to see a drug again. The thought made them sick. And we have experiences like that in our lives. There's some things that be struggles for us all our lives. And we get to a moment where God, boom, blasted away. And you forgot that it was a problem with you. You don't even realize God took it away until you just one moment you think about it. Man, I ain't did such and such and such and such in so long. But that's a time like crossing the Red Sea where it goes and it transcends beyond anything that you can expect, anything that you can anticipate, God supernaturally does it. That's one way that God leads us and guides us by his spirit. But there's another way like crossing the River Jordan, where God tells you what is going to happen, but he sends you in the midst of what he told you he would get rid of. They had to walk in the water before it split, which means they had to believe that God would do what he said he was going to do without seeing it before. You understand what I'm saying? And this is life in the spirit of God. God will tell you that he will deliver you. He will give you power. He will help you, whatever it is that you're praying about, whatever it is that you're struggling, but he causes you to go through the struggle And the going through the struggle is believing that what he said is going to happen has happened. So you pray, God, I've been feeling this way. I got this going on in my heart. Please take it away. Please take it away. And you wake up and you still feel the same thing. And you pray, God, I'm feeling this way. I got this going on. Please help me, God. I can't overcome it. Help me. Help me. And you wake up and you still feel the same thing. What if you do something a little bit different? What if you pray and you say, God, take this away from me. Please help me. I've been going through this and and, and I just can't overcome it. I need your help. And you wake up and you still feel the same way, but you act as if it has been done. Despite filling the waters around your anchor, you walk as if the sea has been parted. You understand what I'm saying? That you're going to go based off what you feel, Based off your anticipation, but you believe that God has heard you and you walk in the waters as if they have been depart- have been parted. Because that's what he called Joshua and them to do. He told them God is going to do a great sign. God is about to do great wonders. We finna cross, we finna go into this land. And going finna be amazing. So what y'all do is walk out there in that water. Caleb was still alive too. Caleb could have said, hold up, Joshua. This ain't how God do things. Don't you remember Moses? When God poured water, he poured them things. We ain't even walk in this water. I done had these shoes for 40 years. <laughs> you think I'm going and mess them up to my walking in the river? <laughs> Caleb could have said that but none of that happened but check 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 why he said this in verse 10 by what fin happened in verse 10 it said Joshua said hereby you shall know that the living God is among you that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites the Hittites the Hivites the Perizzites the Gergeshites, the Amorites and the Jebusites Say, hereby shall you know he's preparing them for what's going to happen So by what's going to happen now, you're going to know that God is going to defeat all these enemies. All of them. What's the thing that happened? They walked through the sea and the sea split. But this gives a mindset that sometimes God does not supernaturally take away things, but he strengthens you so that you can overcome them. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So God gives you wisdom. God gives you strength. He gives you power. He gives you might. He gives you self-control. He gives you love, joy, peace, and all the other stuff that we're going to talk about later. But he puts it in you so that you can do the thing that he called and required you to do. They were going into battle with all these people that he told them that they were going to defeat. But the defeat of the Canaanites, the Higgites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, the Amorites were going to be by the hands of the Israelites. He defeated Pharaoh's army with water. They didn't have to lift up a sword. They didn't even have to look at them. God supernaturally took them out, but he was taking them to a place where he was going to establish them as a people, as a nation, strong and mighty in the Lord. And in his preparation for doing that, he began to lead them where they had to trust him, where they had to believe that God was with them, he was on their side, and they had the power to do what he told them was going to happen. Could God have sent down fire and brimstone and zapped all the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Girgashites? He could have. We got battles where God sent the spirit of confusion in the camp where all the people killed themselves. He can do that. He let Gideon defeat
0: enemies with a lamp and a trumpet.
1: I don't even understand that. This brother had a lamp and a trumpet. 300 of them. And they just stood on the mountain breaking lamps and blowing trumpets. And the enemy was defeated. God can do some amazing things in some amazing ways. And God does amazing things in amazing ways. But one of the most amazing things that God does is see fit to put us in his plan. And see fit to use us and utilize us to accomplish his task. Are y'all with me? So this is what we have to understand as we go forth and begin to talk about walking in the spirit of God and begin to talk about being used by God and begin to talk about the power of the spirit. We understand that for some reason, God see fit to to, to put us in this thing. Go to Luke, Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Show you another example. This will be my last one. Talk to you about fishing in the spirit. Fishing in the Spirit. Is it possible to fish in the Spirit of God? Luke chapter 5, verse 1. See, it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Lunch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beacon unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Now, this is fishing in the spirit. Got Peter them. They're done. Been fishing all night. Ain't caught a thing. Washing the nets, cleaning them out, mending them, making sure everything's straight, setting it up for the next day. Jesus come and want to preach. Take Simon boat. Get on the boat and start preaching. He preached. Then he said, "Hey, let down your net." And the picture is amazing. Sent them out. They done been fishing. Told them to let down their nets. What reason did Peter have to do what Jesus said? Zero. None whatsoever. You actually think Peter and them been out there fishing and ain't been able to catch nothing in this day high livelihood that they didn't go that far? You thought you think they probably went way past that. They probably have been moving and moving and relocating and they're net fishing, so they're dragging it. They ain't out there with a reel, they're dragging. So they probably been back and forth across that lake all night long. But Jesus tell them to let down your nets. What reason do they have to let down their nets? Zero. There's nothing about this situation that makes sense to them. But Peter understood a little bit better than what he thought he understood. Said, Answering, he said unto him, We have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And this is the key to walking in the Spirit of God. Walking in the Spirit is walking in unison with the Spirit of God, walking in communion with the Spirit of God, walking in step with the Spirit of God, and having faith. That what God says is reality. And we do what we do because this is what he said do. That's it. And we do what he do because we trust that his words are true, are real, and are right. It's the same conviction that Joshua had. He knew something was amazing about what was about to happen. He had that expectation. Peter had the right response, but the wrong expectation. He didn't expect nothing to happen. Just because you said so, I'm going to do it. And we need to combine both of them. We need to expect what God said to happen and do what God says in obedience to God. Trusting that our doing is based on his being within me. Because that's what he said. All we've been talking about is the power of the Spirit and the things that the Spirit of God can do and who this great Spirit is that's supposed to live inside of me. And if I believe that, there's certain expectations and there's certain realities that should be. So me believing that is demonstrated by me walking as if that is true. Y'all getting what I'm saying? I love to use this example because it's the only one we can truly understand. Because all of us at one point in time have been broke. And needed a little help. And especially in this modern age, it makes most sense. Because now when people help us, we get Western Union, Cash App, and all that type of stuff. People put money directly in your bank account. Back in the day, you had to drive the big mama house. And she had to give you that little $20. You pull that thing out. <laughs> well, you, they just put it on your phone. Or uh, she had to put the thing in the mail. Send you that care package. Now, you ain't got to wait on all that. But when we know somebody that we trust and they tell us that it's done, if Elder Black send me to the store, say, hey, I need you to go get this, 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 and this. Don't worry about it. Use this card. I'm going to walk in the store and I'm going to start picking up stuff, exactly what he said, and putting it in the bucket. When I get to the register, I'm going to swipe the card.
0: If it mess up,
1: and they tell me, nah, this transaction ain't going through, I'm going to scratch my head a little bit and be like, you sure? Hey, like, nah, this, this ain't going through. Then me being me, I'm going to say, hey, let me use your phone. <laughs> let me use your phone. There right, yo, you go. You got to dial that. And I'm going to call her. Hey, man, I'm at the store, man. These folks said this thing ain't working. What's up? like, you sure? Yeah. it should work. Do such and such and such. such." I'm going to say, all right, hang up the phone. I'm going to go back and do it. Because I believe this brother. And if he sent me to do something, I believe he had a sufficiency for the task that he sent me to do. I got that faith in him. And because I got that faith in him, I'm going to stay at that store until the transaction is completed. And nothing them people gon- can say can make me believe that I ain't got what it takes to get that thing done. Because I trust him. Even if they tell me don't go through. I'm going to drive back if I have to. I'm them. They said this, 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 is and this. What I need to do? Then I'm going to drive back to the store. And get it done because I believe this brother. So that faith and that hope and that expectation builds within me a tenacity that I won't quit. Y'all understanding what I'm saying? Now, if Aaron was to send me to the store and to say, get this, 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 and this, I'm going to say, all right, man, I got you. Then he said, say, man, don't worry about it. Just use this card." <laughs> I'm going to say, cool, straight. I'm going to swipe that thing, and they tell me ain't that happened happen. Man, my Aaron with that plan. Yo, get this car. (laughs) Yo, use this one. (laughs) I ain't going to even fool that lady. Yo, use
0: this one right here. I got it. When I get back, I ain't
1: going to even say nothing to (laughs) Aaron. Why? Because me and Aaron ain't played this game before. Me and black that had over 15 years to have this experience. <laughs> he done told me to go get stuff and I went and got it and it worked. <laughs> so we got this. We'd have been places and I'm about to get something. He said, don't worry about it, I got this. So I got this, I ain't had this experience with Aaron yet. So if they tell me here, don't worry, I go, well, don't worry about it, I got it. I'm going through what I used to use. <laughs> You're going to have to put that one back, that one right now. <laughs> I get that, though. <laughs> uh, y'all understanding what I'm saying. But the faith is demonstrated in my willingness to do the action in full expectation and anticipation that the means have been provided for. Just like him telling them to cast down the nets. They had no reason to believe it. Their experience told them otherwise. But at the word of Jesus, they did it and received the full harvest that he told them that they were gonna get. And the deep thing is, he ain't really told them. He just told them to do it. He ain't tell them what was gonna happen. He ain't tell them y'all gonna get too many fish. He just told them to do it. And this is life in the spirit. We have to get to the place where we trust God and we do what we know to do based off what he told us to do. And that's how we live our lives. But we live it out of a trust and an anticipation that God has provided the means, that God has strengthened me, that God has made the way so I have confidence that I can do this. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's there's something that, that creeps into our mind and I'm wrestling it within ourselves that we see spiritual as being purely supernatural. You, know, you get what I'm saying? So when, when we see spiritual promises in the Bible or when we see God giving us commands to do something, we expect these extremes and these extravagant things to happen. That if I'm just regularly doing it, that means God ain't in it. That's how we think. So if God's doing it, that means it's going to be some wow, bound, lights flashing, stuff falling out of heaven, and things just whoo go. If I'm doing it, it's going to be boring, sorry, I'm going to be super nervous and scared, <laughs> and this is his life. So God, please help me because it's boring. I'm scared and it's harm drawn. So I need you to do something. The whole while God said, I'm doing something. I'm doing it. I'm giving you the wisdom. I'm giving you the strength. I'm giving you the power. Now you just do what I told you to do. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And what we have to understand is Paul made this crazy statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He's like, continuing the call and wherewith you were called. And what he's saying is the state that you were in when God called you, stay there. Then he makes a statement talking to slaves and the opportunity comes for you to gain your freedom, take full advantage of it. But he had the expectation that they can live a content life as a slave and serve God and honor God right there. And i Translate this into my life and my world. There's this dissatisfaction with life that is somewhat like the spirit of the age. Everybody seems to be hit with this bug. That just my life ain't too great right now. Everybody wants more. Everybody desires more. Everybody's in pursuit of more, 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 even in the church, more, Lord, more, Lord. is the prayers that they pray. And I and I and I, and I'm with that. I understand that. But one time I was praying one of them prayers in one of them churches and God asked me a, a powerful question. Never forget it. it. It comes back every now and then. Praying that more Lord, more Lord. I need more Lord. Look what you did with what I gave you. <laughs> I thought about it I ain't did nothing. <laughs> you asking for more and you ain't used what I gave you. I think I'm sitting there thinking about this thing God's been profound. I don't know why had to be God because I ain't this smart. The thought came, when you desire more, what you're saying is what I have is insufficient or what I have has been used up. Those are the only reasons that you go for more. That what I have is insufficient or what I have has been used up. I'm thinking, the Spirit of God ain't insufficient. It's sufficient for the task. The grace of God is not insufficient. It has the power to do everything that God said it's supposed to do. So that leaves me with only one other option. I done did everything that this was sent to do. And I was lying if I said that. You're understanding what I'm saying? Because I have not maximized the grace that has been given to me, so what i am looking for more for? We said we, we understand that with our children. When they start to eat some, can I get some more, such, such, such? You, you, you eat what's on your plate first. <laughs> we all understand said that before. Some form of, God, leave what you for, you're so greedy, You ain't yours yet. But there's a dissatisfaction that comes and that creeps in our heart that we struggle with and that we wrestle with because we're in pursuit of something other than what it is that we have. And we got a flashback to Moses when he was standing on that wall. Moses was praying, God, what am i am going to do? What am I going to do? And God said, what are you crying for? And I believe that's the spirit of God and the word of the Lord to us where we are right now. What you crying for? God, I want to be this, and I want to do that, and I I want, I got these dreams, I got this, and I don't know how I'm going to make it or how I'm going to do it. And that's true. That's good. But God said, you're a wife. You're a mama. You ain't did them right yet. But you try to go and change the whole world and the whole neighborhood when you ain't been a good mama yet. You understand what I'm saying? You trying to be a great whatever. When you ain't been a good this that you were called into. And what we have to do is refocus our hearts and our minds in knowing trust that all that we need God has placed within us. Everything for life and godliness he has supplied it. And we need to walk in the fullness of that. And learn to be content with where we are and maximize the opportunities and the things that God has put on our hand. And stop looking for the the next, whatever, to to blow up the world. But start appreciating the grace that God has given us to be what he called us to be. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And I believe that if we grind in and we seek God and we allow the spirit of God to lead us in those areas, just like Joshua at the River Jordan, once we walk into the water, then it'll begin to split. Are y'all tracking with me? This is what we have to do. Understand that the commands of God is a part of the supply of God and that following the spirit of God is living in trusting obedience to God. And trusting and obedience is believing that God has given me what I need to do to do it. So now since he told me to do it, I'm going to do it. And you say, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know what to do. I got this desire, that desire. I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what my next move should be, how it should go. Now, this is deep. You don't know what to do. This is what you do. Do what you already know. When you don't know what to do, do what you already know. Now, what do you already know? You can sit down. And you can read. And do that. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? We ain't got these mysteries we got to pull out of the air. God gave us enough commands already that I don't need no extra. One. So when I don't know what else to do, I can say, okay, let me see what he already told me to do. Let me do that. Let me keep doing what he told me to do Till he tell me to do something else. And zone in and focus in and live in obedience. And we ain't got to figure out these great mysteries. We ain't got to solve these grand riddles. Just know that the Spirit of God is in me. So he told me to love my neighbor as
0: myself. Hmm. I don't know how to love. Okay? The
1: fruit of the Spirit is love. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. So whatever love is, I can do it. So let me just start doing it. And as I start doing it, God may begin to unfold things and give us ideas and give us wisdom and give us plans and give us direction. But first we got to start doing the first part. Cast out our net into the deep. But we're trying to figure out how to get two boats full of fish. When all you got to figure out how to do is drop the net down. Now, God to make the fish come in. Now, you understand what I'm saying? We're trying to figure out how to get through this vast sea that's blocking us from our destiny. When all you got to do is remember what God taught you how to do. You know how to walk. You walk, let me handle the sea. When do I stop walking? When I tell you to stop. That's what he told them. The ark going to go before you. What y'all do? Follow the ark because you ain't never been this way before. They ain't not have to learn how to read no maps. They didn't have to learn how to navigate no rough terrain. They didn't have to learn anything. They didn't even have to know the difference between the Hittite, Gergashite, Amorite, and Jebusite because the ark was in front of them. They just had to walk. They ain't even even need to know the way to the promised land. All they need to know how to do is what? Walk. And it's the same thing with us. We don't need to learn any great mysteries or any grand puzzles of life to get life to where we need it to be. All we need to learn how to do is walk. God said it, which means he gave me the power to do it, and I'm just going to walk. Now, what happens if in this walk I fall and scuff my knee? God, oh, I failed. God told me to do this. I tried it and it didn't work. Do we scrap the play and call our own audible? No. Nope. You go back to the one just like I was at that store. What'd I do? Tried it. It failed. I go back to the one who's supposed to make it happen. And I say, hey man, these folks said this thing ain't working. What you need me to do? God, you told me you were going to set me free from this. I woke up. I tried to stop. It didn't stop. What I'm supposed to do? You pray, you cry, you repent, and you get up believing that God heard your prayer, he dried up your tears, and you start walking again. That's what you do. But you don't walk thinking that, okay, I got this willpower, I'm finna stop it. I ain't gonna ever do it again. I promise you, I ain't gonna ever do it again, God. I promise you this time, this is the last time. You know, nah, I'm gonna do it every single day unless you change me. I promise you I'm going to fall. <laughs> We've been there. But we need to flip that. And know yourself. Understand that you can't do nothing. It's an amazing thing. Jesus made the statement, I can do nothing of myself. I can only do what the Father showed me. That's what Jesus said about himself. But we think we can do some stuff. Now, if Jesus can say, I only do the stuff that the Father showed me to do. That's all I can do. I can't do nothing by myself. Jesus came down to die on the cross to save the world. And he said he did it by the Spirit of God. That's Jesus. So when you're praying and you're feeling sorry and you're feeling bad and it's your last time, stop lying. Don't say, did my last time. I promise you I ain't gonna do this again. I'm done with this. I rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus. This and that. This is it. This devil is out of my life. I ain't calling him. I ain't going back that way. I'ma even shut that street down. The police gonna come and raid it. Ain't nobody ain't nobody going down that street no more, let alone me. These type of crazy stuff people say. Driving by that house. I rebuke that house in the land of my chief. <laughs> the whole house. <laughs> that ain't what you do. Because you know what you're doing? You lying. So instead you say, God, I can't do nothing unless you help me. And every single day I'm going to fall, I'm going to be a wretch, and I'm going to keep doing the same thing unless you do something. Because I can't do nothing of myself. I tried to be happy, but I woke up depressed and don't even know why. I can't even tell you anything that bad that happened, but this is a bad day. And no matter what I do, I put on the songs, I make my positive confessions, and I still feel sad. Stop lying and say, just be honest with God. And you ask him and you beg and you plead him to change you, to give you the joy, to give you the peace and so on and so forth. And you wake up with expectation that that's the way it's going to be. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And when you get up and you still feel that drudge, you can say, I ain't supposed to be sad. God, what's going on? I ain't going to be sad. I ain't supposed to be struggling with this. God, what's going on? I ain't going to struggle with this. I'm going to do what you told me to do. You understand what I'm saying? Walking in the spirit is trusting the spirit of God and doing what God said. But it's the combination of that trust and that obedience. And sometimes God, like I say, He supernaturally it away. But a lot of times he gives you the strength. He gives you the power. We say like he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And we need to believe that. Now why God do it like that? I have no idea. I got some thoughts, but I, I really don't know. He told us a little bit in that Joshua. He said, because you're going to defeat the Gergeshites, the Amorites, and so on and so forth. So the more you whoop that devil, the more confidence you have in your ability to whoop him. You understand what I'm saying? Because if he always supernaturally did it, you never build strength. And when April is dealing with that devil.
0: Basil then overcame it.
1: But she don't know how she overcame. So she can't feel the pain and the struggle that April going through. Because she never felt it. God supernaturally zapped it away. But when God had to give her wisdom and strength on how to navigate and how to deal with the pain and how to deal with the hurt and how to trust God in the midst of that, she can come to her, and she can feel her burden. She can bear her burden with her, and she can carry that weight. You understand what I'm saying? Because she didn't carry it before. So God gives you strength to defeat certain things so that you can defeat certain things. That's one of the most amazing scriptures. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Now, if you put that in context, what is he talking about? Them folks. Building the wall. Now, if you read the story, Ezra and Nehemiah, they laid bricks, and they laid brick after brick after brick until they built the wall and built the temple. But Yahweh said, "Not by spirit, not by—I mean, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit," said the Lord. So why they was out there sweating? Does that make sense to you? We, we, you know what I'm saying we got we sang the song not by might and it sound deep, but them folks was out there sweating in the middle of the desert on the top of a mountain building a temple. When God and told them, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So why the spirit that supernaturally dropped bricks <laughs> on the mountain? Oh, why why Arch just started start falling out the sky? And incense and bowls just start rising up out of the ground. <laughs> None of that stuff happened. They was out there working. Zechariah, and and all them guys, they were down there building stuff. And it got to a point where enemies were coming against them. And they were laying bricks with one hand and holding a sword with the other hand. All this with the word of the Lord telling them is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. They could have quit and say, this ain't the spirit of God. People trying to fight me. I keep having to get down out this wall and get in a fighting position. My knuckles are bleeding. I'm sweating. I'm tired. It's hot out here. We can't even find enough bricks to build this thing. We got to go on these long journeys to find bricks to carry them up this mountain, to build this temple. All at the same time, keeping guard and trying to keep people from killing us. That don't sound easy. And that don't sound like not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Because that seemed like it took a lot of power and a lot of might to pull that off then. If you are fighting and building at the same time. And once again, these were some people who were in captivity. I don't know how many temples they built. Because it wasn't like Babylon, I mean it not like Egypt this time, they weren't slaves, they just were living there. Low, wretched citizens of the kingdom. So we moved from slavery to Jim Crow. <laughs> they just, there, they ain't building nothing. But God sent them out into the desert to build a nation and to build a kingdom and told them it ain't gonna be by might, but they were using all their strength. Told them it ain't gonna be by power, but they had to fight and overcome an enemy. How was they able to do that? Because it's the Spirit of the Lord gave them the power, gave them the might, gave them the wisdom to pull it off. Because it was just up to them, they would have quit. And a couple of times they did quit. You understand? It was a couple of Nehemiah. That's why Nehemiah showed up. He got word what was going on. They stopped. They stopped building the temple. They stopped building the gate. They built their own house and got to chilling. Nehemiah had to go and get on the folks, get them down, preach a long, bad sermon to them so they can feel bad and make them get back to work. All this by the Spirit of the Lord. So when you got expectation, God gonna help me on my job, that don't mean you gotta you ain't gotta wake up early and go down. <laughs> you, you, get what I'm, you, you understand what I'm saying? I'm sure. You still gotta wake up early and you still gotta go there. And the word of the Lord tell me I'm I'm the excellent. I got the spirit of excellence. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. That's that, that what you is. But you still gotta slain that bucket just like that. Be in the head and not the tail. You get you a step with it, Sing your song. You, you understand what I'm saying? But the extra thing is that you can do that, slam that mocking, slam that mop bucket by the Spirit of the Lord. So that when you get done slanging your mop bucket, this flow will be shining. And the whole stove smell good. And people gonna come and ask who who been cleaning up in here? And the manager gonna take all the credit <laughs> for running such a tight ship and keeping such a good stove. And she's going to get a raise because of her evaluation, and you don't get no evaluation because you're just a part-time employee. You, 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 you get
0: what I'm saying? That's life. That's reality. God's going to cause you to try God. You understand? This my end. Just think about this.
1: Joseph had a dream, right? a dream of people bowing down to him, a dream of him being ascended above. This was his dream. And Joseph knew and understood that this dream came from God. His own daddy told him. Then he got a dream and stuff that his daddy had to question about. Joseph went from almost dying to being a slave to being a prisoner and finally to being the crown prince of one of the largest and most powerful kingdoms. How did Joseph get there?
0: Just track the story through. How did he make it there? Did God
1: supernaturally take him from Canaan and place him in Egypt and tell all Egypt, y'all going to listen to this man and do everything he say y'all going to crown him as the crown prince of this kingdom. That ain't happened. Didn't I happen in a little bit? When
0: he was a slave, Joseph worked. Joseph maintained integrity. Joseph honored God, working. And you know what? Potiphar said, this is a powerful and great man.
1: Because he worked. What was he working as? A slave. What was he faithful as? A slave. How did he get to be there? All the situations and circumstances of his, of his life were unjust. <laughs> Wasn't nothing right about it. Nothing good got him there. And there was nothing he can point to in his life to say, the hand of God is on me. The spirit of God is leading me. Nothing. But Joseph was trained in the ways of Yahweh, so he had an integrity that he maintained. I told you, when God didn't show you what to do, do what you know. He knew how to work, and he knew how to be righteous and upright. And no matter where I'm at, that's what I got to do, because these are the things that God honors, and these are the things that, that God takes pleasure in. So as a slave, he worked. He was righteous. He was upright. He didn't steal. He didn't cheat. He didn't cut any corners. And what did that get him? It got him sent to prison. He got sent to prison because of it. Because he was a hard worker who had integrity, who maintained and did what he was supposed to do. That's what it got him. Part of her wife took notice to Joseph because how great and how excellent he was. He stood out. You understand what I'm saying? If he was just a regular old bomb like the rest of the old bum, she wouldn't even knew him. But it was because of him being who he was, doing what he was supposed to do, that made him stand out. And that what got him sent to prison. Now in prison, what did Joseph do? Joseph worked. <laughs> he maintained integrity. He lived upright, and he still had the patience and the kindness to care for other people. Folks wake up terrified in dream. Joseph, life ain't been fair. He could have told him, shut up and go to sleep. And nobody could have faulted him for that. We done been hard on people for far less. We didn't worked for four, eight hours, 12 hours, and our children can't even say nothing to us. Cause we tired. Man Joseph in a prison, ain't nothing he did to get there. And all he's been doing all his life is doing right. And he just want to wake up talking about a dream. He goes, man, I all shut up and go to sleep. But what did Joseph do? Tell me your dream. He took time. He still was caring. He still was loving. He still was patient in the midst of this prison. Still doing the stuff that honor God. Still doing what he did. Do what I know to do. He could have been sitting there, sure, get your dream. I'm trying to get my own dream. I am I need a new vision from the Lord. I'm seeking a word for the Lord. God ain't spoke to me since I was a little bitty boy. That, that he could have did that. God ain't t- Did God tell him to interpret them people's dream? No. He ain't feel led to interpret their dream. This is what he know to do. So while you waiting on the next command, you do what you know to do. Do what God already told you to do. God gave him a gift. God gave him wisdom. God gave him insight. And he just used it right there in the prison. And he was still loving. He was still patient. He was still kind. Doing his thing. Willing to do what God told him to do right there in the prison. What did that get him? Finally, it paid off. But how long did it take for it to pay off? A long time. The one dude who he reached out finally gave out his business card. Like, man, don't don't forget me. Look me up on the book when you get out. You know what I'm saying? No. You i my Snapchat, my Instagram. Look me up when you get out, bro. Dude forgot all about him. <laughs> Just left Joseph down in the jail. Showed no appreciation. Showed no gratitude did Joseph get bitter? We don't see it. Even to the point where he finally got called, and this is his shining moment. He didn't even recognize it as his shining moment. What did he do? He did what he'd been doing the whole time. They told Joseph to come, he came. They told him the situation, he utilized his gift. Even to the point where he offered the job to somebody else. He said, the "King did what you need to do. You need to find your man. That could have been his time. He could have said, is my moment, right here. I'm finna get it. I'm, I'm finna get it.' See, King would see, see. you need to let me just handle this. You ain't got to worry about it, King. I'm saying, I've been in jail all the time. I don't even pull a beat up. I just need somebody to hear my case. I've been trying to put out a appeal out there, and won't nobody listen to me. You know what I'm saying? He could took that. This my moment." <laughs> Just, 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 just mess the whole thing up. <laughs> he didn't do that. What did he do? Did what he knew to do and what he had been doing all his life in obedience and honor to God. Then finally, God
0: did what he'd been doing this whole time. Leading him.
1: Guiding him. Ordering his steps. But it took all those years to see the order and pay off to what we think is paying off. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And Joshua, I mean, Joseph, after going through all that, can finally say, you thought you did this, but God prepared this for the saving of our family. Now, what did that look like in real life? It looked like some evil people doing some evil stuff, and it looked like a humble, obedient, good man getting misused and abused and mistreated. That's what he looked like on the planet. But what was it in reality? We got the divine commentary. It was God working and leading Joseph by the spirit of God. What did Joseph have to do? Do what God told him to do before. He didn't get no new revelation. He didn't get no new ideas. He didn't get no new anything. All he got was the ability to work, to stay faithful, to be honorable, and to treat people right. That's the only thing Joseph ever did. That's all he ever did. He didn't do anything special. And through this one time where he interpreted the dream and everything, well, two times. Only two times we see him do something special. But even one of those came in the midst of a hard situation where all he was doing was being patient and kind with other people. That's all he was doing. <laughs> and this is life by the Spirit. Loving obedience to God. Trusting that God is in charge of this whole show. And all I need to do is be faithful where I am. And trust that when I take a step. As long as I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm doing what God wants me to do. So he's going to make it happen. Are y'all with me? And that's why Paul can say. Which we're going to expound on later. That work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. That's, that's deep. That sounds contradictory to us Protestants. I was with those who call themselves prophets. I ain't protesting against nothing. <laughs> but work out your own salvation with fear and tremor. Is did Paul telling you to do. Work it out. Why? For it is God that is in you, working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So I can work it out because God is in me, giving me the desire and the ability to do. So that's why I just do it. I ain't got to wait for no magical nothing. I ain't got to wait for no letters to pop on the wall. I just do what I know to do because it's a God that's in me, giving me the design. So if I want to see change, God giving me that design. And if I get an idea of this is what I need to do to see change, God giving me that. Not only is he giving me the idea, he gives me the ability to do it. So all I got to do is just work it out. Are you with me? Anybody got any questions? That's Philippians chapter 2, 2.13, I think it is. Um.
0: Mm -hmm. Talk about wisdom. Um, Not knowing, like, not hearing God say, do this and this will happen. But just hearing, do this. How do you know that that is the wisdom versus just your manipulation, interpretation?
1: As a couple things, and it's, and it's real simple. The first thing comes down to what I was saying. It's about trusting.
0: Trusting that God is in me,
1: God leads me, He guides me, and I believe that. So my faith in that overrides my fear of the opposite. You get what I'm saying? So I truly believe that God gives me wisdom, that he's inside of me. He leads me, he guides me, he directed my steps. So if I get an idea, I believe it's from God. And I couple that with my understanding of who God is, his will, and his way. So if what I get in my head does not contradict who he is, his will, or his way, I trust it's from him. You get what I'm saying? And that's the, the foundation of it. I don't have to wrestle and figure it out. Even if it is me telling me to love somebody, what's wrong with me following me to do it? <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? So I don't have to parse through every thought or parse through every desire. If I'm knowing I'm in living in loving obedience to God, it's my desire to do your will, God. So that's the only thing I check. What's my motive? What's my desire in this? If my desire is to love people and honor God, I don't care about where it comes from long as it's this matching up with the will and the way and the person of God. You get what I'm saying? So ain't no need of me to be checking. Like, like double dutch. I don't got to ride. I ain't just running there and jump in. Because God is the one who I trust to lead me. It's like Paul. You read his story. He say, after he got his commission, he just went. It, God told him to go to the Gentiles. Where do I go? He went to all of them. So every Gentile nation that popped in there, he said he desired to go. So, when he found out there's some people over in Crete, he Hey, let me go to Crete then. they Gentile. Gentiles. I go to the Gentiles. And there's a couple of times where it says he is saved to go to Asia Minor. The Spirit forbade him. So he just turned around and went the other way. That's all he did. We don't see any time of him, or not saying that he didn't, but we don't see it demonstrated what Paul said in Jerusalem and said, Okay, which way do I go? Um, there's a whole lot of Gentiles out here, God. I want to make sure I go to the right Gentile. No, he just started going. When they said separate me, Paul and Barnabas, as far as we can tell, he just went. And when God didn't want him to go, God turned him around. And he just went the other way. And then when God didn't want him to go, God turned him around. Then he wanted to go to Rome. God had to give him to Rome. How he got him now? He put him in prison. <laughs> him being in prison got him to Rome all under the direction of God, all under the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how you got there. But you, you don't have to bog yourself down with trying to parse every thought. That's, that get burdensome, and the, and, the, and the scriptures don't weigh too heavy on that. We, we weigh our hearts. We weigh our motives. And we weigh the intents of our hearts. So if my intention is to love God, to honor God, to love people, and to seek the good of people, God is down with that. And I trust that God gonna lead me the right way in it.
0: Agreed. I think that. What about when it's not a few choices? Like, okay, I'm heading a direction, or, or I, let's say it's not a job opportunity, but multiple business ideas a person may. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's not well. I want to stop doing this job and do another job, or. I don't I don't know if I should go to this city, I go to that city, but what if it's okay, I got this business idea and this one 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 and this, one, and, this one, and this one and this one. How does a person I think they're maybe I'm asking the question, what do you think about parsing duty? Just a plethora of ideas because a person only has so much energy to give to a whole thing. So then how would how would one navigate a situation like that? Okay. You all be trying to fast forward. <laughs>
1: That's decisions and destinies. That's all on and only the prepared lessons I got. <laughs> but with that, when you get the vast, the first thing I see just displayed in, in examples throughout Scripture is the slowing down. In the humbling yourself and in the bringing those things and the coalescing them into one. Because there are certain core things that we cannot fail to do. We cannot fail to take care of our families. We cannot f- fail to spend time with God and, and to cultivate our relationships with Him. And we cannot put ourselves in compromising positions that will cause us to sin or to err away from the truth. And so you begin to just the same model he used with finances. You you, you take care of the walls first. You, you build the foundation first, and then you begin to navigate through those things through the wisdom of God. And sometimes it just takes that real heart seeking God for what to do first and how can I pull them off or what desires go first because we end up like David is the picture I always get in the mind when I see this. At the end of his life, he wanted to build the temple for God, and when think it was Nathan, the prophet came to him. He said, "Go ahead. It's a good idea. God is in that. Go ahead." So Nathan understood that when you're doing something for God and you got the power to do it, go ahead and do it. But God put a pause in Nathan. He said, "No, I don't want him to do it." So what David began to do once God gave him that pause was he was in charge of preparation. So God had to give him the pause or the idea. But God turned his spirit just through that time of prayer Well, Nathan, the one that was praying. But God turned the spirit of David, David, through the word of Nathan to where he realized that this desire is the God desires, the good desire. But it ain't my job. And so he just began to prepare. And that was his role in the building of the temple. He collected gold. He collected wood. He collected money. That's all David did. Did God give him the desire? I believe he did. But did God want him to do it? Apparently not. But it took that slowdown, that check, because this was such a vast overtaking, and it took Nathan, actually, being hearing from God, <clears throat> to get him in that check and him breaking the big vision of a temple down to a small vision of, okay, if we build a temple, we need some wood. And he began to collect that. Oh, we need some gold. And he began to collect that. So his role was preparation. But it only he only got there through that slowing down and breaking his big vision down into bite-sized pieces. And to the point where he can see his next step in the hand and the ability that he has to play in it. Because sometimes we go so far that we need to ask ourselves, even in the pursuit of it. All right, I want to build this, this, this. I want to start this venture right here. So in order for me to get to the end, what is it here? And what is it that I got in my hand that can get me there? Just like the lady collecting the pots. God had a vision to supply her. Like, what you got? She had pots. Told her, go borrow many more pots. And that's all she had. And God began to let the cruise flow into the pots ran out. But it's breaking it down into those smite bite-sized pieces and trusting God that He will direct and He will lead in the midst of that. But when it's that vast, when it's that big, when it's that overwhelming, you pull it down and you you begin to seek God through it and allow Him to break it down into those bite-sized pieces. Or even if He don't break it down, you be, you begin to see yourself just do the small little piece of it in pursuit of that dream, trusting that God will open up the wrath. Because it could be. You got this vision for somebody else. And your role in that is to build up the next whatever, whatever, whatever it is. But we get that leading like David got it through this wording of God. Well, he had God had to break that all the way down to that bite-sized piece. Well, you collect the wood, dog. It, it, It makes a little sense to you. But when it's too vast, too big, and we can't see the way, we still do what we're supposed to do, and we can still go to God, seek God in that. And if you give us freedom to move in it, well, don't break down the four walls. It's not a strain on my family in the sense of it don't destroy my family. I'm not abandoning my family, and in doing this, it's not putting me in a jeopardized position, or it's not putting me in a position where I compromise my values and my morals, and I got the power to do it, do it.
0: What is the difference and the consequence of walking in the spirit and walking by flesh? Walking by spirit and walking by flesh.
1: The difference and the consequences. The difference would be the source of the power and the purpose of the action. Walking in the flesh. The source of the power is either your own strength or Satan himself. That's where you get the power or the strength to do it from. And the purpose would be self-gratification or the building up of your own life, your own views, your own image, or satisfying something in you that does not stem from your knowledge of who God is. It, It makes sense? A little bit. I'm I'm trying to think of other ways to say it. It's like, I'll give you an example. I could serve you out of the flesh, and I could serve you out of the spirit. So me serving you, helping you out in whatever way it is, me making a great sacrifice on your behalf, what I have to check in that is, do I got the means to do it? Uh, yeah, what do those means come from? I can say they came from God. God blessed me to be able to help you. Now, what's my purpose in doing so? And sometimes that's harder to decipher. Am I doing this to fulfill something in me? That's of the flesh. So if me helping you make me feel good, that ain't the reason I help you. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's of the flesh because it's about the pride of my life. Am I doing this so that Combronica can say, man, Zink is a real good guy. That ain't of the spirit. Am I doing this purely because I love you and I don't care whether or not you like it or say thank you or do anything in return for me. I just love you and I desire to meet this need for you purely out of love. That's walking in the spirit. Because my motivation for doing it has nothing to do with what's around me but it has purely to do With the overflowing love I have for you. So if I help you. And you just turn around. Take my help. And don't treat me like nothing. I don't feel bad. Because I ain't do it for you to say thank you. I ain't do it for you to be nice to me. I ain't do it for any other reason. Than the fact that I love you. It it, it makes sense to you. But when. Spiritual actions are judged by both. The action themselves. And the motive. Most people split morality. Like, I can do the right thing for the wrong reasons, but I'm still doing the right thing, and that's good. No, that's false. Or I can do the wrong thing for the right reason, and that's good. No, that's wrong. we got to do the right things and for the right reasons. But me serving you or working and operating in my spirit, uh, in the spirit instead of in the flesh, it's me serving you purely out of love, out of the power that God gives me. It goes beyond anything I capacity I have, and it's in obedience to who God is and what his word is. And it's your worth as a, as the image of God that compels me to do this. It's not because I feel bad, because you black. And black people have been slaves for all these years. So let us go help the poor Negroes <laughs> and raise them up to a certain level. No, that ain't why I do this. I do this because you're a human being made in the image of God, and I love you. That's the only reason. It, it, you get what I'm saying? And it goes with every other thing. It's not only what we do, it's why we do. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about sin. Any other questions?
0: That's it. Are they all yours possible?